And here we are again. We are live. We're streaming. We're streaming, beaming. We're beaming, streaming. Streaming, beaming. How you doing? How's it going, man? Taking it easy. Easy like Sunday morning. We're in Genesis. It's midweek studies. We're Wednesday, aren't we? I think so. We're in our midweek studies sessions. We go live from Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. Well, we try our best to do that anyways. And on Wednesdays, if you check the itinerary, we have ourselves a dedicated study where we just go through each verse of a book, and we're in Genesis. And we're chapter 46, and we're going to be looking at Jacob, Israel there, moving to Egypt. Isn't that cool? What a journey it's been, though. Haven't we been learning stuff? We can learn stuff from the Bible. Really. It's interesting. Here we were for years and years believing TV. And everyone around us who believes TV telling us that the Bible is just not interesting at all. It's just an old book written by old men. It's filled with all kinds of bad stuff. It's not interesting at all. Burn the book. Burn the witches. Well, you know, we just caught one day when you're interested and you're like, uh, or curious more so. You're like, ah, I need to read this book, see what's going on. And you start reading and you're like, oh, there's some pretty cool stuff in here. There's some interesting information in this book. And the more you're reading it, the more information you're gathering in your mind and you're becoming wise. Isn't that weird? Don't feel bad if you think yourself a dummy, just like me. We're a bunch of dummies. And when we read the Bible, the Bible edumacates us. It's a, it's a fascinating truth. And we've been learning the witnessed and recorded accounts of uh, the origin, if you will. Genesis right now. We're in chapter 46. We've been looking at Joseph and his brothers and his dad, and everything going on there. I encourage you, of course, to go check out the uh, archived video sessions. You can find them on, um, where now, uh, YouTube, our YouTube channel, or uh, Rumble, right, and uh, our Facebook page. Um, you can get the audio version over at Substack, added souls over at Substack. All that kind of, I mean, wherever it works, too. iTunes, and Spotify, and Google, and Amazon wherever, all that stuff. And it's a wonderful journey because it teaches us stuff about life. Now, we may not live under the law of the Old Testament books, but we certainly are commanded to learn from them. We learn the nature of God and sadly the nature of man and how God still loves man and man who is faithful will follow God. Uh, and man puts himself in a whole bunch of mess. Man doesn't follow God's instructions, and man gets in trouble. Man lies, man cheats, man corrupts himself, and man makes a mess of family. But God, God can heal family. God can fix family. When evil infiltrates a family and splits a family, God can remove the cancerous element, the evil. And then once the evil is removed then there is a potential to build bridge and fellowship and healing and comfort and understanding and all those wonderful things. We see man go through uh, all these agencies of experience on uh, our existence here on this earth, and uh, it's just truly fascinating through this inspired book that we get to learn stuff from it that is applicable in our faith today, you and I, submissive to the stewardship of the Messianic Age. We are in the dispensation of the Christian era. Yet we're learning from all the other dispensations of time and ages in which God, through his word, governed the mind of men who were humble and submissive to follow him, believe in him, have faith. And when they did not do that, oh man, they got in a lot of trouble. Nothing's changed to that principle, has it? Today as well, the reason we are in so much chaos, division, and turmoil is for the same purpose. We've lost faith in God. 
We no longer follow his instruction through the proper motive of the heart, the mind, and the doctrine, the teaching. Full circle here in the account of Joseph, his father, his siblings, and what had taken place there when he was sold into bondage, Egyptian bondage, and all the very challenging moments he had to persevere through, but he did. Why? Because God was with him. God made him successful. God was with him, and Joseph was faithful to God, and Joseph learned a lot of hard, harsh life lessons. You know, we don't want those lessons, do we? I assure you, I did not want all the lessons I've been receiving in my life. Like, I don't, I'm not like, I want to have this kind of stuff. I want sorrow and pain and grief. <laughs> no, I don't. Matter of fact, I stopped praying to God for wisdom. I'm like, I'm capped. I don't want any more. I'm done. <laughs> but it's like the the motion train is not stopping, you know. You prayed for it, and now it's coming. But uh, how much more we learn in life, and what a blessing it is. Though we go through these devastating moments in life. And look at the, look at uh, Joseph's family. Look, look at uh, uh, Jacob there, and, and before Jacob, and in the lineage, the ancestry of this family, from Abraham on forward. Um, man, it's not been peaches and cream, has it? been a lot of harsh lessons learned in life, and a great deal of them by, by, again, going against God, doing things we ought not do. Well, I'm going to learn the hard way. That's what happens. Oh, my nose is tickly. I'm about to sneeze. <coughs> wow! Blew my brain cells out there. I got a very heavy sneeze just like my daughter, like my dad before me and his dad, I suppose. It's like a my aging thing. I'm all, oh, look at my nose. You can hear the nasal, can't you? <laughs> it was transmitted to me through the dance of our DNA, right? I sneezed. Is that still illegal? It's been illegal for a while over here. Like, you're not allowed to. You can go to jail for that kind of stuff if you can sneeze. But it's not in public. Maybe I'm allowed to sneeze in my own my own location here. I don't know. Let me look at something here. Uh, da, da, da. I want to see the various locations we're streaming. If you guys got your Bible, by all means, follow along in Genesis chapter 46. If you don't, well, just uh, follow along on the screen. If you're looking at the visual there, I'm going to put the Bible verses on the screen. Thankful for all the friends we have with us along the way in all our various locations. Let me see here. Yeah, we're rolling over there. Good stuff. Let me put the uh, text on the screen before, before I do that, though. Please, consider subscribing. I mean, it, it don't cost you anything, and it really helps. Subscribe to wherever you're looking. Could be Twitter, or YouTube, or Rumble, or Facebook, or wherever else. Like, give a thumbs up. Really do that. Do a thumbs up, and... Share. Share the link on all your social media platforms and uh, leave a comment. This is my call. This is me giving you the call to action, you know, some housekeeping stuff. And uh, please consider supporting, obviously. I mean, we function through God's good grace and your willingness to get involved. I mean, really. Any amount helps. It helps with everything we do here. AddedSouls.com is my website. Stefan May is my name. You can certainly support by signing up to AddedSouls.Locals.com. Uh, we have PayPal. Email address AddedSouls at gmail.com. And you can get a physical address. If you want to send something, just reach out to me. We can have ourselves a video chat or a phone call or an email exchange, whatever you need. If you have any concerns or questions, that's available to you. We labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here in New Brunswick, Canada. It's a beautiful church, a healthy, growing church, a faithful church, and uh, we'd love for you to get involved. We'd love for you to get involved with this mission. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, so let me put up on the screen here the, uh, the verses to the text. Where are you? There you go. Look at that. Technology, huh? Genesis chapter 46, verses 1 and following, and we're going to do verses 1 through verse 7. 
And we're not going to go through all the names of those who came to Egypt, of course, which is about, what is it now, 70-something, 70, 70 numbers. But we're going to go uh, and um, find ourselves back in chapter, well, sorry, in verses 27 and following. And we'll finish off the chapter that way. All right? Good stuff. Verse 1, chapter 46. At this point, the reunion had taken place as far as Joseph and his siblings. He had revealed himself to them. A lot of history in this family. A lot of pain and sorrow and division. Now, finally, at its breaking moment, at its moment where uh, healing can take place and building bridges again. And uh, it can be done so by instructions given to them not to um, bring in uh, argument or uh, bitterness or moments of the past, but rather build on forward now, together, united in fellowship. And that's a beautiful thing. So Jacob's going to be moving to, to Israel from the instructions that were given, of course, if you follow along or have been following along. If not, go to the archived situ uh, sessions. So verse 1 here says, So Israel set out with all he had. This is speaking of Jacob. Jacob, Israel, interchangeable, synonymous. Israel is Jacob. Jacob is now setting out with all that he had and came to Beersheba, the geographical location in question, and offered sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. He receives this good news. What's the good news? His son was not dead. We connecting some spiritual dots here somewhere, my friends? Or am I the only mind here operating to the to, to, to the texts of, uh, or the, the, the uh, implications that may be uh, possible when we rightly handle Old Testament accounts and New Testament stuff. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off, too. I don't know. I'm not the smartest, right? Well, the good news was received. Jacob received the good news. At first, he didn't believe it because he had been taught a lie all his life. Well, not all his life. Sorry. Rewind. He was taught a lie for a long period of time regarding his son, that his son was dead. And he believed that wholeheartedly. His conscience was fully convinced that Joseph had been devoured by wild beasts. At the mouth, of course, of deception, manipulation, and lies, he believed that, and he was fully involved, invested emotionally in that lie. And so when the truth came to his door and said, hey, by the way, he's not dead. No, I'm not going to believe that. And that's our initial reaction to the truth, isn't it? No, that can't be true, because if that's true, then we immediately think of all the, ram the, the ramification, all the, the consequences to all that. If, if you're speaking to me the truth, then everything I've believed thus far is a lie. And because I've been believing a lie, I've been teaching a lie, or I've been uh, doing things that are in accordance to a lie, and I just can't accept that pride. My pride gets in the way. I just can't humble myself and say, I I've been wrong. Be careful with people who never admit they're wrong. I've known people who have never, ever, ever admitted they were wrong. Oh, I, you'll hear them say, oh, I, I was wrong. I didn't mean to park there. I didn't know I should have parked there. <laughs> no, I'm speaking about a true, genuine confession of wrongdoing that they've done. And they do it all the time, but they'll never admit it. I've known people like that, very toxic people, have to withdraw from them. They're never wrong. They're always right, in their own mind, of course. Well, the initial reaction, of course, from... Uh, Israel from Jacob is, no, that can't be true. My son's dead. You told me he's dead. I've accepted that. We've moved on. But when the evidence was provided, when the evidence was provided, Jacob was humble enough. Most aren't, even with the evidence. Oh, we've witnessed that too, right? Well, most aren't. Well, some are, though. Some are humble enough at that moment to let go their emotional investment and uh, say, you know what? Wow, I've been wrong. I've believed wrong all these years. And now I'm ready to accept the good news, what is right and what is true. And he did. His son's alive. His son is alive. And so what is Israel's priority in reaction to the good news? Well, it is to thank God, of course. So he offers sacrifice to the God of his father, Isaac. When we are blessed today, what's the first thing we should do? That's an important principle. It's practically, it, it's an application. It can be practically applied in our lives. You know, for us, my wife and I, uh, we've been riding the waves of God's good providence, His grace, since 2011. And uh, we've known what it is to 
to have very little, and we've known what it is to have more. And we've had many, many difficult, challenging, sorrowful moments. And uh, we've also had some very pleasurable, joyful moments, encouraging moments. And we operate, of course, the work we do, our labor, our mission, um, generates a great many of you who follow along with the efforts and are invested in these efforts and our family and the Added Souls Ministry. And so you donate, you support of your means financially. And um, every time, from our end as recipients, humble, humbly so, uh, whether it be $5 or 5000 uh, we thank God. We give God a devotion and praise. It all belongs to Him. You belong to Him. I belong to Him. We belong to Him. Everything we have belongs to Him. And so wouldn't it not be wise to thank Him? And even though we are at the mercy of... Uh, uh, um, your willingness and capabilities, uh, even though we are the recipients of such mercy, we give back. From what we have, we give back. Because we know we have more than most, though we certainly have less than some, we give back. And uh, that allows us to know the joy in receiving the blessing of giving. And it is a sacrifice to do that. We live in the realm of I can't afford anything. You and I. Can't afford anything. Everything's too expensive. But yet, we still give, don't we? And we give generously, don't we? From the little we have. Uncertain of how the end of the month is going to be finishing off paying the bills. Yet Matthew 6.33 remains true. It's true and real. If you seek ye first the kingdom, you will have food, shelter, and clothing. Oh, it may not be everything you want it to be, but it will be what is necessary. My wife and I, we've learned that. We've already lost everything in life. We've counted that cost. We'll lose it all again if we have to. I'd rather not. I find myself quite peaceful here. I find the opportunities here for uh, church growth and family security very, very pleasurable, very joyful and encouraging to me. But I don't cling to it too strongly. Because I know it can all be gone tomorrow. Tomorrow, all of you may choose no longer to support us. That would change the dynamic of things, and we might have to lose everything. So be it. As long as you follow faithfully Jesus Christ and you have the forgiveness of sins. Truly. I mean, Job made it out. Man, I don't want to go through what Job went through. Like, I'd rather just read and learn. I'd rather not be the true life example. You know, be like, here, you have to go through those things. Some of our brethren do, though, to a greater degree. Well, look at what this family's been through. Joseph, his siblings, Jacob, again, the lineage and history going back to Abraham. They've been through a lot of hardship, a lot of sorrow, at times at their own hands, at times by the hands of others, and they've seen uh, moments of having and moments of not so much. Right? Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God, to, to the God of his father Isaac. That's what we do. When we have, when we don't have. When my wife and I uh, receive support, we thank God. When we are given good news, we thank God. When we receive hardship and discouragement and loss and sorrow and pain, we thank God. That's a bit more tricky. But we do. Sometimes you may not at the very moment, but you will after you figure out the providence through it and the, the wisdom that was bestowed to you. Um, this family went through a lot of pain and may have asked, why would God allow us to go through this pain? But now, with everything wrapping up, it makes sense. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. 
Thank you, God, for teaching us these things. So Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. We should do that. We have opportunity to do that every week. We're actually commanded to do that. We give back. Verse 2, God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Now, of course, remember, in the age in which this was witnessed and recorded, experience was the age of uh, direct, supernatural, divine intervention and communication. You and I I now have, of course, the perfect law of liberty. We have the penmanship of the Holy Spirit, to which God took great time and precision to fulfill to which no man has thwarted, spite all their efforts to try to create a narrative that the Bible has somehow been corrupted by man, or God's plan somehow throughout history has been corrupted by man, not so whatsoever. God is in full control. God was in control even when his son was going to be put on the cross. Jesus was in control. He had the authority to know when that was going to happen and how it was going to happen. God's always in control. That doesn't alleviate us from the responsibility and priority to follow him and his instructions. But it is true, nonetheless, God is in control. And in this account here of uh, the age of old, if you will, God spoke in such ways to man, and he spoke to Jacob in this vision, and he said, Jacob, Jacob, pay close attention. And he said, here I am. So there is indeed a, a communicative dialogue here between God and man. God says, Jacob, Jacob, because God understands exactly whom he is communicating with. That's important. And Jacob understands who is speaking to him. Some don't, some refuse it, but Jacob, he received it. And he says, here I am. And he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. If you have any reservations, if you have um, any uncertainties, doubts, fears, um, extinguish those anxieties. Because uh, I will make you a great nation there. God keeps telling us exactly what what he's going to do with us if we are faithful. And sometimes we listen and blessings come. And sometimes we don't. And we want to go according to our own hearts, our own minds, our own feelings, our own thoughts, our own ways, desires. And we make a mess of stuff. And God's like, oh, you want to make a mess of life? Have at it. And then after many years of making a mess of yourself, we wake up and be like, wow, I made a mess of myself, didn't I? I truly soiled myself pretty bad. Yeah, you did. And God, well, he's there graciously waiting for you to just repent, confess, acknowledge the truth, the fact of the matter. I messed up. I should have listened to you. Yeah, you should have. But I love you and I forgive you. Now will you start obeying? following my commands, and now do you see how I'm much smarter than you are? Yes, God, you are. You're right. I'm sorry. I need your forgiveness. Don't be afraid. Don't hold all those anxieties. What are you scared of? I know how scary life can be. I know what that's all about. My wife and I went through a full opposite degree change in our life back in 2011 a change of everything a loss of all things we went through a great many differences or different uh, directions if you will and uh, we had to go through that a great many times three major life changes one two three thus far that are have been have been pivotal life-changing character-changing moments in our life Choosing to follow Jesus was one of them. Choosing to go to a foreign country to get educated was another. And um, losing a great many things 
at the hands of very evil, cunning manipulators whom we thought were our friends was another. You learn in life. You thank God for the wisdom. When they slander you, when they do all kinds of evil things against you, be joyful to God. You're doing something right. You're living right. Jacob, Jacob, he said, here I am. I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. You've gone through a lot of turmoil. You've gone through a lot of uncertainties. You know, you've felt loss. You've felt sorrow. You've wept. And those things may tempt you severely to um, have fear, anxiety, and not move forward. We know what that looks like. When you are broken at the hands of toxic individuals or uncertain moments of sorrow, and you are so broken, you, you have fear. You don't know if you can move on. You want to hide in a shell. You may even want to give up on your faith. You know, a great many preachers, that's what they've gone through. They've gone through the pharisaical, the diatrophies. They've gone through all these moments in life, loss. They said, I can't take it anymore. I'm done with it. It's over. I'm going to go back to the factory and work. Yeah. Some go through these things called burnouts, depressions. I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. Don't be afraid, even if you've been through all these moments in life. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. Don't give up, persevere. You can do this. Remember, you've received the good news. Your son's not dead. You are humble enough to receive the evidence of that news. And now there are blessings to come, but there is work to be done as well. There is something you must do before you depart from this earth. And though you've been through much in your history, and you've gained much wisdom, don't allow those fears or anxieties, uncertainties, and doubts to have you neglect or reject the instructions of God. If God says, I am with you, I will make you successful, and I will make you a great nation, and that's exactly what he means. He said that to Abraham and Sarah. They chose to take it upon themselves and their desires to receive a child now, since God, it must be God's fault. Look at the mess that caused. Hagar, man, oh man. We're still living that conflict over in the Middle East today, aren't we? What a mess. Consequences? Oh, there's consequences. I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt. For I will make you a great nation there. That teaches us a lot in life, doesn't it? Maybe you need to um, pack up your bags and move. Then do that. I've told, I've told brethren, some brethren, I've said, you need to leave where you're at now. Which is a... You won't make it to heaven where you're at now. I assure you, you will be eroded. Your faith will be destroyed. You can't make it there. I'm simply sharing my loving suggestion. Pack up your bags and move and come be with a faithful, healthy congregation. You need that support in this world. This is a fallen world and it's getting crazier by the minute out there. You need to be found in a circle of loving Christians, true and kind from the motive of the heart to the practice of the doctrine, the teaching. God knew, knew that. God understands that for sure. He's going to bring Jacob to Egypt, him and his family, so that they begin to, together where there's support, where there's provision, there's security, there's instruction, there's life. Sometimes you got to pack up your bags. Well, I can't do that. I got to go get a passport. I got to go get, I got to change. I got I to, my, my job, my family, my, hey, listen, we did it. We're still alive. We're doing well. We have food. We'll share food with you. You'll make it. It's a sacrifice. 
This place will be over before you blink your eyes, man. What are you clinging to? Really? This life is but a vapor. Be a good steward of stuff. But don't cling to it too strongly. It's going to go away. Jacob, don't be afraid. Get your belongings. Do what you got to do. Your, fa your fathers before you, they've had to do those kind of things too. Look at what Abraham had to do. Had to let go security and community and family and household and culture and everything and go to a, a land where he was unknown. I have to tell you, man, that's a challenge. And those who don't and those who scoff, they'll never get it until the sky opens and the trumpet sounds. They'll be like, oh, wow. Hmm. Sometimes you got to go. Sometimes you got to stay. Sometimes you got to stay. But sometimes you got to go. And if you got to go, go with God. He'll take care of you. Well, I want God to show me a sign. He has been. Wake up. <laughs> He's been talking to you. You've been reading his words, haven't you? Yeah. The providential winds have been opening doors for you. Yeah. It's never the wrong decision to be faithful in Christ and go according to that work. Really? What if I'm not doing much? Are you living faithfully? Yes. Are you doing things that are going to further the cause of the kingdom, yes, then you're okay. Really, you're fine. Don't be too hard on yourself. God's grace is with us. Really. Do what's right. You'll be fine. Seek ye first. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again, and Joseph will close your eyes. So here's what's going to happen. Here's how it's going to happen. And... Um, be at peace with that. Be at ease with that. You know, this instruction, these words, God to Jacob, we can learn a lot from that. You know, us here personally, mom and dad, uh, they're being evicted from their apartment that they've been in there for almost close to a decade. And there's something over here on the East Coast that is legal, that is illegal over on the West Coast of our country. But over here on the East Coast, it's legal. It's called Renovic. And uh, what happens is these landlords, they um, they bring in the seniors, right? And they're like, well, we're sorry, you got to go. And then they push them out and then they renovate, I don't know, paint the walls. And then they bring in new tenants who are going to pay the price. They're going to raise the price on them. 500, 600, 800, whatever. It's corrupt. In my, from my perspective, in my opinion, it's very corrupt. But it's legal. They have the documents to, to, to bring it to court and say, yep, see, here we do. We, we can do that. So it's a game they've been doing in the city here, and they've been doing that. They've been evicting elders, elderly people, who have been comfortable in paying a lower rental, of course, because they've been there for decades. And the, and the new landlords, it's the businesses of the of the apartment buildings have changed hands throughout the, the decades, the, the years. And, well, it's legal for us to boot them out. So let's boot them out. I'm going to put in someone in here and uh, they're going to pay more. Greed, of course, is a part of that. And sometimes it's not necessarily greed. Sometimes it's I, I can't afford to have you rent here anymore at that price. And I know you can't afford to pay the price that's necessary. So we're in a, an impasse here. It's a bind. I don't know what to do. So mom and dad have been given their eviction. They got to leave. And they can't afford to go uh, pay rent today. One, one bedroom apartment today? $1,500, $1,600 a month. Nothing included. Mom and dad are older. They're sick. So I'm trying to do everything I can to have him over here small little in-law suite that I'm building next to the garage. You don't think that's a challenge? You don't think there's not enough pressure? <laughs> taking care of the family, taking care of the church, taking care of mom and dad. Well, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainties. My wife and I could be like, we that's it, we give up, we're selling the farm, we're going away. We're not going to do that. We don't have the luxury of that option, number one. We, can't, we, we don't have that luxury of an option. Oh, I just can't do it. I, just, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. I just can't do it. We don't have that option. No, we're going to get through it. And whatever happens, happens. You go through it. 
We are with God. God is with us. We are faithful. We're trying our best. A few things are going to happen. We're going to learn some lessons in life. A few more lessons in life. We're going to do what we can. It's quite the mountain to move, isn't it? Everything's so expensive nowadays. Maybe you're facing a similar challenge. So he says, I am God, the God of your father. Don't be afraid. Go do what I tell you to do. What's going to happen here is you're going to go down to Egypt, and I'm going to be with you, and uh, I'll bring you up again. And Joseph will close your eyes. You're going to get to see Joseph, and you're going to get to say goodbye here on this earth, and that'll bring a close to your existence. So then Jacob, in verse 5, arose from Beersheba, right? He rose from Beersheba. And the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. What are you so worried about? That's another thing too. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Yeah, listen, there's nothing wrong with the whatabouts. I mean, we have to have concern. We can't just be flippantly um, poor stewards of, of, of the situation, have no precaution or, or, or no uh, due diligence to anything. Of course, we have to... Um, have responsibility with the what-ifs. I mean, we have to think about the what-ifs. What is that? What if that? But if you are drenched in the anxiety of the what-ifs to such a degree that no decision is ever made, like thus far with us, I've learned things already that I should have done first, that I didn't know how to do first in regards to getting all of this done for mom and dad to be uh, in an in-law suite um, on the house here. We're learning some pretty harsh lessons, but we're learning and we're trying our best, but we can't give up. You can't give up in whatever you're dealing with. Maybe you're dealing with a very heavy health issue. We have a very loving sister in Christ, uh, Veronique, part of our congregation here, the congregation here, and she's been diagnosed with cancer. She's fighting cancer. She's currently going through ter- uh, therapy, uh, uh, chemo and all that kind of stuff. That's heavy, man. Like the balance of life and death. And she's very young. She has a son. We love her son. Her son's a brother in Christ. We immersed him uh, not too long ago. I mean, it's that's a heavy thing to go through in life. And even if God says don't worry about it, sometimes we worry about it. So what do we do? Well, we try not to worry about it because God's with us. And she has a very good positive outlook on it. And we are there for her as much as we can. And so is her family. And that's a, that's, a, that's a heavy challenge. We have uh, another sister who's uh, been awaiting her husband and child for years to migrate here. And finally, it's passed. We're just waiting on them to, to, to get here. Well, that's a challenge. Then we had another sister, Sister Virginia and, and Brother June and Brother JV, uh, wonderful members. They had to be separated for like five years. That's a challenge. But she saw the opportunity and she saw the better way of life. That's a, that's a, those are challenging things to go through in life. I was telling my wife, I'm like, I don't know if I could be separated from you five years. A sacrifice, humble servants sacrifice. Many others in the congregation have gone through a, some some deep sorrows. Some deep sorrows and a lot of, a lot of challenges. And Man, we're not alone. We're not alone. We've gone through a lot of hurt in life. We're not alone. Be with loving, humble, faithful Christians. You'll get through this. That's why you need a, a humble, faithful church to be part of. And of course, I'm going to send that invitation your way. The East Coast Church of Christ over here on the East Coast is a faithful, healthy congregation. Don't be caught in toxic locations, tyrannically oppressed by dictators and Pharisees, diatrophies. You won't find any hope there. You're only going to find control and pride and confusion and We go through a lot in life. Well, 
how could we know this information? How could we encourage each other to move forward even when we go through these things? Well, because of these written words that are inspired from accounts of real human beings like you and I. We tend to think that when we read this, this information in Genesis, it's so far away, it's so different, it's of a time and age that we just can't relate to or associate with. And, well, you know, Abraham and all these characters, well, they were this, that, and the other, and they weren't. They were human beings, just like you and I, and they went through the same thing you and I are going through today. And man will continue to be going through the same thing until it all ends, because it's a fallen world, and it's fallen because you and I, in our independent accountability, choose to do lawless things and not have faith in God. But if we do what God tells us, blessings. Look at Jacob. The recipient of the good news, his son is not dead. The evidence to prove the fact, he believes, he is overjoyed. And not only is his son not dead, his son is an authoritative power in Egypt, enough so to provide for Jacob and his family everything necessary, above and beyond. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob and their little ones and their wives in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. What are you worried about? You're going to be taken care of. Yes, there's going to be a moment of change, sacrifice, persecution. When the blind man stood for Christ and said, hey man, I was blind, now I see you keep pestering me with all these questions. I'm telling you, this is the man. The man gave me sight. When the blind man stood for Jesus, I'm going to be pushed out of a corrupted church, wasn't he? But what did God do? God embraced him. God took him. God took him in. We'll take you in. What the devil pushes out, if he pushes you out for standing up for what is right, we'll take you in. God will take you in. It'll be a challenging transition. There will be some hostilities against you, but we'll be there with you to defend you, to protect you, to comfort you, and help us heal together. Yes, it's going to be quite the transition. Jacob, I'm going to have to go to this location here in Egypt. There's going to be a lot of emotional moments, uncertainties. But you'll be provided for. You'll be taken care of. Truly. Is it Pharaoh who's providing? Is it Joseph for Jacob? To a certain degree, Jacob can certainly be thankful for his son Joseph and for Pharaoh, the king, providing these provisions. To a certain measurement, of course, we thank the employer for the paycheck. But truly, where does that paycheck come from? Really. It comes from God. It comes from God. We thank God for that. It's not Pharaoh, it's not Egypt, it's not Joseph, it's God. God provides. So they took their livestock and their property, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and came to Egypt, and Jacob and all his descendants with him. They just did it. Just do it. That's it. Jesus died for you and I. You know that? God on earth. God in flesh. It's true. It's recorded both in inspired literature and secular literature, both by the pen of those who loved him and those who hated him. This is true. It's real. It's verifiable. It's credible. It can be defended. It's tangible. In an honorable court of law where justice is upheld. I wouldn't believe in it if I, could, if I couldn't defend it. It's true and real. And if we believe in him and we follow him, we shall be the recipients of the freely given gift of the gospel, eternal life. A true and real location where we need not die ever again. And we need not be in the throes of sorrow caused by lawlessness and flesh and pain. But we have to do what he says. There are conditions, keys given, instructions given. Jacob, 
you can be provided for. You can be the recipient of many blessings at the hand of God. But you have to do what I tell you to do. And you can't do it grudgingly. Well, I guess since God told me I'll do it. If you follow those instructions, and Jacob could not have meritoriously earned those blessings. He didn't do anything where he could tell God, well, why don't you give me all these things? I earned them. Haven't I gone through enough in life? You know, that kind of a mentality. No, absolutely not. He cannot meritoriously boast of any works he's doing whatsoever. Yet he has the responsibility because of his free will. That's a blessing, to have free will, to decide, to choose. Am I going to love God and follow his instruction and be the recipient of all this, this wonderful provision, or am I going to reject him and not do anything and stay here in Canaan and starve to death of famine? If you believe in Jesus, repent of your sins. You can't meritoriously earn your salvation by telling God, well, if I repent, you better save me. Right? Can't boast that way. If you believe in Jesus and you repent of your sins, you confess him as your Lord and Master. You qualify to be saved, calling on his name, to be immersed, plunged, dipped, submerged. That's important, isn't it? I would think so. So, they took their livestock and their property, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and came to Egypt. Jacob and all his descendants with him, and his sons and his grandsons with him, his daughters and his granddaughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Family. That's what we're cultivating here at the East Coast Congregation, family. Family provided for by God through his providence. Practical application. We take care of each other. Family. The Western culture and its corruption as of decades, uh, as of its recent decades, has separated us. We need to go back to being together. I remember in my very young age, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, grand-grandma, grand-grandpa, we all, they all lived in the same location, same property, sometimes same house. Why? Why did they do that for? They had gardens, they hunted, they fished, took care of each other. They all went to the same church. Sadly, not the right church, but yet still a church that had moral uprightness and guidance and principle for society to function, a community to be functioning. I go back to family. Jacob, your family can be taken care of. You got to do what I tell you to do. And of course, Jacob is obedient to God. The right heart, the right mind, the right doctrine, the word of God. Family, look at that. Sons and his grandsons. Corruption and corrupt individuals are going to die off. They're going to die off. They die. They're going to go away. They're not going to leave anything. They're going to face an eternity of consequence for their actions and corruption on this earth. You and I, let's not, let's, not, let's not go to that demise. Let's follow the instructions. Let's follow Jesus Christ. Talk a bit more about that in a minute here, but to the text. His sons and his, his grandsons with him, his daughters and his granddaughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. And then we go through, of course, the lineage or the ancestral descriptions and names of those who did go along. Well, we're going to keep up here or recapture the text over in verse 27. I highly encourage name studies, by the way. I highly encourage you to take the time to read through those names and see where those names are placed in the Bible. It's a fascinating study. It really is. I used to think, oh, it's so boring to read these names. I can't even pronounce uh, three quarters of them. But once you start to connect the dots historically and the lineage of the families, and the, I mean, I knew why now the Jews were so fascinated by it and would enamor themselves with ancestry. 
and their genealogies. I know, I know now. And there's a healthy way to look at that. But there's also a very unhealthy way to look at that. And sadly, come the first century, while Jesus walked this earth, he had to rebuke that kind of a mindset because they had since taken it to a very toxic location. It was no longer an ancestral lineage out of honor, per se. Follow me. But more so of a binding tradition through false interpretation of the gene, uh, the uh, gene, genealogy, the catalog therein. And the sons of Joseph who were born to him in Egypt were two. All the persons of the house of Jacob who came to Egypt were 70. Okay, so there's a whole bunch of them. A whole bunch of them coming to Egypt. They're all going to be the recipients of the blessing from the household in which Jacob chose to follow God. And the first thing he did was thank God and give sacrifice to God. The minute you stop thanking God and giving sacrifice to God, you're going down a circular spiral downwards. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. When Paul was describing to the Christians the way of the Gentile and how it all began, they stopped acknowledging God, they thanking Him, and it went bad from there on out to the very point of depravity where they had, well, perverted themselves sexually and had begun murdering babies. Sound familiar to you? Perverting ourselves and murdering babies? Sound familiar to you? How did that all start? Okay, so now he sent Judah. Remember Judah? Judah's name's been popping up in one of these studies, haven't he? He's been... He's been through a lot, and if you go back to the archived uh, uh, sessions, you'll see and follow Judah. It's been quite interesting to see his change. It takes time sometimes for a man to change. Now, he sent Judah before him to Joseph to point out the way before him to Goshen. And they came into the land of Goshen. Instruction is given. Service. Delivery of service. Instruction. Security, comfort things to do, purpose in life. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. Imagine that. Man, oh man, you can't understand. I remember in 2011, um, my father and I, of course, had separated because of the way I wanted to live life and the way he wanted to live life was quite different. And so uh, we were just not very friendly to each other. We were not on friendly terms. And we had separated for decades, uh, father and son. Uh, but we, when I chose to follow Jesus, uh, Jesus taught us how to uh, reconcile and how to build that bridge again where father and son are now friends. And I love my dad. He's my hero, really. There was a day I hated him, couldn't stand him. Now I love him. I want to protect him. I want to do everything I can for him. Well, there was a lot of history there. So you can imagine the, the emotional investment when we came back together. And what made that happen? Jesus. It doesn't matter how deep of a fracture, how deep of a, of a separation. Uh, Jesus can heal that. Jesus can heal that. The devil, he can break a bunch of stuff. The devil, he can split a marriage. He can split a church. He can split friendships. He can split all sorts of stuff. Um... But if we allow God to bring us back together, God can heal us. But to do that, God's going to have to remove the cancerous element. The divisive brother, the diatrophies, the this, the that, the, the evil workers. Once that's taken out of the way, once men can humble themselves, a family can be repaired. Family can be brought back together. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. They had been separated for so long, and both of them, of course, had since accounted their connection as the past. It's done. It's over. It's, it's over with. We've accepted the terms of this life and its fallen ways. Jacob had accepted that his son had died at the hands of wild beasts, and Joseph had accepted the fact that his father's probably dead, and that's the end of it. Let's move on, finally. And here they are. What a blessing that is. God can do stuff. Do not shortchange God. God can do stuff. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And as soon as he appeared before him, 
He fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can understand that. Someone who you had been separated from for so long, you meet back. I have something like that. I miss them dearly. I miss them very much. And I've wept. I've wept for them. Because they're in they are firmly convinced in their conscience that they are right. But the reality is that they aren't. And perhaps one day, perhaps one day there will be a reunion in such a way. I pray so. I pray so before it's too late. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. And as soon as he appeared before him, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. I was away from the church. I left the church... Um, Wow, what is it, 14, 15, 16, maybe 15, 16? I had been immersed into the body of Christ when I was 13. Uh, we had gone through a great change in our life because my parents were practicing the religious traditions that were passed on to them from our forefathers. And when they began to read the Bible, they converted away from that religious denomination and uh, converted to Christianity, and life was quite different. They began to do things differently, and I was young, but yet still understanding, if you will, or not understanding what was taking place, but I was still young. And um, I obeyed the gospel at a young age, but then I went away from it, you know, 15, 16, I think. And I only came back, I think I was 32 years old, back in 2011. Don't give up. Don't give up. It happens. Things change. Don't give up. Do what God says. Stay focused on the goal. Then Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, that you are still alive. That is the pivotal moment in his life of joy. You are alive. My son Joseph is alive. He's not dying anymore. He's alive. That was enough for him to be fully content to departure for his departure. Of course, God told him this is how it would happen. And he trusted God to know that would happen. And he acted upon his trust in God. A very different Jacob than the pages of the scriptures would reveal him to be in his earlier ages. Joseph said to his brothers in verse 31, and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh, and will say to him, My brothers and my father's household, who were in the land of Canaan, have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for they have been keepers of livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And when Pharaoh calls you and says, What is your occupation? You shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both we and our fathers, that you may live in the land of Goshen. That's why you're going to say these things. They may live in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptians. Like it's not a well-woven relationship, you know, between uh, the two, if you will. Yet through Joseph... A bridge was built, and uh, honor and respect was given. And so they have the authority to ask, if you will, um, or have request, if you will. And that brings the session, of course, to its close. Time's almost up. Thank you so much for paying attention. Thank you so much. If you please consider subscribing, liking, sharing, drop a comment. And please, if you will, consider supporting. If you find any value in this information, please sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can support there monthly, or you can send donation through addedsouls at gmail.com, PayPal. Or you can contact me for a physical address. We labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here in New Brunswick, Canada. And uh, we want to keep doing this work. And we want the uh, influence of the Added Souls Ministry to reach uh, further and farther. And uh, we believe that there are others out there like you and I who truly appreciate the information that is found in this book and that we are genuine in our lives. We live to the best of our ability through the information of Christian principles. And dear friends, follow Jesus, really.
read the words he wrote, follow him. Follow him. Stay focused and stay positive. We shall certainly meet each other again tomorrow for our topical Thursday. Lord willing. Peace out.